When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The biggest week of the NFL calendar is here. Happy Super Bowl week, America. Amber and Ian, presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Ian Fitzsimmons, he's back at Ian Fitz ESPN. That's how you find him. Also how you find his daughters who run his Instagram account at Amber W Sports. That is how you find me. I hear it's been pumping out excellent content lately, Ian. I have absolutely no idea. But uh, yeah, Rowan and Marion, I guess, are doing a great job. I sent them videos from the Senior Bowl. I have no idea if they posted them or not. But um, it sounds like that with that rejoin, I missed some fireworks going back to the AFC Championship game between oh. you and James Steele, which uh, I, I hate that I missed that. Uh, I've also had some family stuff I had to deal with, so it's good to be back with you all because this is much a much-needed distraction. And, oh, by the way, Amber, I'm with you because the only place that this happens – well, hold on. No, actually, I'm with James on this because the only place that, that, yeah. that they encounter anything is with Baltimore and a certain kicker, and that's Justin Tucker. He's the only one that ever gets in their way. They've only had an issue three times, three and it was always with Justin Tucker and the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, Justin Tucker go. said the exact same thing, that in 12 years, the only Nearly quarterback <laughs> he's ever had an issue with is Patrick Mahomes. And the I only tight end who's it. never had a problem with him warming up is Travis Kelsey. So they're both accusatory in that sense. <laughs> I thought that they looked like total bullies. And I thought that it was that macho football thing that a lot of football players do where, you know, kickers aren't real football players. That's my macho football guy impression, by the way. So that's what I hated Can about we lift it. That? James, of course, you know, he heard plenty of it last week. James, of course, he's going to defend anything Kansas City Chiefs to the death. So it doesn't actually, they could have gone out there and, and they could have like harmed Justin Tucker's puppy in front of America and James would be like, no, 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 they're fine. I had the most reasonable take out of all of us and uh, Amber just doesn't want to admit it. That's all right. Nothing <laughs> reasonable. She's no, been wrong James before. Steele, particularly Super Bowl week. Amber, the, the way that James would respond to Travis Kelsey harming or, or Justin Tucker harming a puppy. No, no. It would be Kelsey harming a puppy. Kelsey, yeah. Yeah, it would be, well, the puppy was rabid, so the right. puppy had to be put down. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always going to be some that, that puppy was up to no good. Right. But, look, bottom line is this is going to be, and, and I believe, I truly believe this, an outstanding, and I do mean outstanding game come Sunday. Media night is tonight. We'll, we'll have all the – the, the 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 quotes for you. Roger Goodell's already spoken. Um, media night. I used to hate this night. I couldn't stand it. It was normally on a Tuesday, back in the day, and it was an absolute fiasco, just a bleep show. I mean, and you got people running around in wedding dresses. You've got some dudes dressed up as the Pope. I mean, it is, and it's just a a sea of humanity that just annoyed the ever-loving bejesus out of me to try and be right in the middle of it. So I'm glad that uh, that I'm not there. Uh, you would love to be in the middle of it. I would love it. to I, be there. I think there might be a little uh, little privilege uh, that Ian Fitzsimmons is showing because for me, no. being able to go to the Super Bowl, I think you've just been in this game for so long that to you, you're immune to it. <laughs> 
For me, it is so cool the few times that I've gotten to cover a Super Bowl. And the first one that I ever did was in Tampa. That would have been, what, 2008, probably? And... That Super Bowl, that was like I, I remember. Like I remember the company I was with at the time. They wouldn't pay for a hotel room. They wouldn't pay my way, but they'd give me a media pass. And at that time, fresh in this business, it was a dream come true. Even if I had to sleep on couches and make it work, being able to be there, being able to be around the celebrities, all the media members, seeing all the big wigs in our in our company now but it wasn't mine right. at the time right seeing all the espners there going to at the time the espn party was a thing back in the day right the playboy party all that stuff was a thing Lee and being around was a big deal back yes, in the day very yep. big deal and being around radio row i, I mean oh. radio row became so Ugh. so cool to me once i was truly on radio because i started my career in tv but when i went to radio i mean that was a dream come true it still is anytime i get to go to a super bowl it, it's like a dream come true being around all that See, stuff and for you you it's it's a mess it's i want to get work done i'm trying to get interviews i mean i'm actually trying to work and i got this jack a next to me here's one of my favorite stories so mike vrabel uh who we've we've known for Going back to, what, 2002, just a great dude. He's at the podium, and I'm actually trying to not ask, like, hard-hitting football questions, but, you know, relatable stuff where he can tell a story. And this kid walks up to him. It was from uh, he was from Nickelodeon, I think. or I mean, you probably remember the, 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 the little guy. He was funny and would ask some good questions. But he asked Vrabel some question on how to spell some word, and Vrabel's got it wrong. And, Rachel, you're nodding your head. You remember this. And – I mean, Vrabel got crushed for it. So the following year, standing there, and there, the kid comes walking up to Vrabel again. And Vrabel goes, points to the, the little kid, and he goes, what do you got for him? He goes, hey, how do you spell? And he goes, I'll tell you how to spell it. B-E-A-T-I-T. Beat it, kid. <laughs> but, but, that's funny. But, but see, it was that's hilarious. That's a but those are the things that you've got to deal with. I mean, it's like, oh, so media night. I couldn't stand being in the middle of that because I was actually trying to get work done when you got all these other people who, who are just trying to be funny or whatever. And maybe I'm sounding like a get-off-my-yard guy right now. Yes, but, I mean, uh, yes. 100%. You're like, less fun, more football. No, I, I, hold on. You know me. Most of my questions, half you my questions like are not a, a, not even sports-related. Like when Jay Billis joins us coming up later on, I guarantee you there will be two or three questions that have nothing to do with sports. But that, that, that's the no fun, fun part of it. But when you have these, oh, now see, you're <laughs> twisting what I what I'm saying here. You're here it's, to talk sports. It's, it's that sports. sea of humanity that sports. you're having to navigate through, also to try and get to that one good story, that, and yet the only part. Say, oh, that part is that part. It, it is chaos, and there are all sorts. Of, it used to be, and I think that this changed some, especially after the pandemic. But it used to be that like any person. Would get a media it has pass been for media down. day, yeah. it, and it, now it's not like, it's like that. I don't believe at all. It used to be around twenty five hundred credentialed members of the media crammed into this convention room, uh, or or on, and and then they started actually using the field. Now I, I think they have dialed it back big time, which would be much more tolerable. But I'll give you an example. Like if I were there, Blake Bell's a great story. He only has like maybe ten catches on the year, but he he's the old belldozer from Oklahoma. You know, and then he, he transitions to tight end in the NFL, and here he is still in the league at the age of 32, and still playing tight end, more of an inline blocking tight end. He's a great story. So, 
that would be one guy I would be trying to find, but you know, in, in that sea of humanity, and there would be less than zero percent of a chance that I would be able to find that one guy who has a remarkable human interest story and can take you into the huddle with Patrick Mahomes. That, but that, you that, do that, have you do have that opportunity. Some on Radio Row. I mean, Radio Row is so cool because Blake Melnichie ain't coming to Radio Row. Whenever I've worked, well, that might be true, but there's so many people on Radio Row that you would never otherwise get an opportunity to speak to That's if true. you're a radio host. That's true. People that you may not actually want much of an opportunity to speak to, but then they show up and you're like, oh, that person's interesting, you know, and you're not necessarily thinking about it. And there's all these celebrities there. There's all these Hollywood celebrities as well that'll end up walking through Radio Row just willing to give interviews because everybody's pushing some sort of product. A lot of former athletes, of course. And people are normally having fun. Everybody is in a good mood around a Super Bowl week. I would imagine in Vegas right now, people are in particularly good mood. Lots of oxygen, you know, being pumped into the building. By no the way, anywhere. that is a great point, which we need to dive into later on this week. Vegas, that is going Vegas, to be – how many media personalities are going to come back having years taken off of their lives, having to spend over a week in that town? Well, that's the thing, because Vegas, three-day max. Two nights, three days, you're in, you're out. That's how to do Las Vegas. I have done it many, many times. Las Vegas is a hell of a time as long as you get in and you get out. And if you don't, it becomes a lot less of a hell of a time. And working the Super Bowl... (laughs) These people are there for a full week. Uh, So, again, I still wish I was them, but uh, Godspeed to those doing the work for us. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Cliff Kingsbury is the new OC for the Washington Commanders. But what does that mean for Washington's number two overall pick? Caleb Williams, anybody? We'll get into that next. Amber and Ian, it's on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Commanders are hiring Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator. He spent last fall as USC's quarterbacks coach, meaning he worked directly with Caleb Williams. Are the Bears as sure on Caleb Williams? Might they keep Justin Fields? Would they be okay with trading back to two and taking Drake May? Chicago, they have a pretty terrible track record (laughs) developing quarterbacks there. Not that Washington has a great history either, but having your college quarterbacks coach and a location might make it a little bit more comfortable for a quarterback like Caleb Williams. Head coach Dan Quinn, he has moved on from Eric Bieniemy. 
He was relieved of his duties in Washington. Cliff Kingsbury is now the OC of the Washington Commanders. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons here with you. So this was a little weird how Cliff got here, though, Ian, because he had apparently agreed to a deal with the Raiders at one point. We thought he was going to be the OC of the Raiders. Now he's the OC of the Washington Commanders. Here's Adam Schefter, ESPN senior NFL analyst. He was on the Pat McAfee show. He was asked what happened to the Raiders in Kingsbury. It was a contractual dispute. There was a disagreement over the terms. And my understanding, unconfirmed, but my understanding is, is that when we look at these teams around the league right now, Uh, They're offering their assistant coaches, by and large, three-year contracts. And in this particular case, um, I think the Raiders are at two. And I think Cliff Kingsbury's got two years left, at least, on the deal that the Cardinals are currently paying. So there really wouldn't have been any added guaranteed money by taking it on. Now, to me, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Maybe I'm missing something. But there was that disagreement over the third year that I believe contributed significantly Neither side was willing to give, and so he leaves, and they don't get it done when both sides thought it was going to get done. So he had multiple suitors, Cliff Kingsbury, and he ends up in Washington now, the OC of the Commanders. They have the number two overall pick in the draft, but let's just start with Kingsbury because you're very high on Cliff Kingsbury. I've been far more critical of Cliff Kingsbury. We kind of differ here, but you think this is a great hire for Washington. Kind of different. We we dramatically differ here. How we feel about Cliff Kingsbury. First. And by the way, I don't mean personally. I don't want to make it personal. I'm talking about the coaching record, how we feel about him. That part of what Schefter said is is, is a big deal, that that third year, because if things don't work out in Washington, every coach wants to have that one year of job security where you're not missing out on a paycheck, whether you're the assistant D-line coach or the head coach so that you have an opportunity, at least a grace period, to go and find another job or get out of coaching, whatever it may be, right? So you want that added year to be able to go find that extra gig. Now, he's on the Arizona Cardinal, you know, you know, victory lap right now because they, they, they still owe him everything. I mean, he, he's, he's still cashing in full boat from his days as a head coach with the Arizona Cardinals. So I completely understand why he was in agreement with, with Vegas and then said, wait, if I don't get that third year, ain't happening. So I, co- I completely understand what Shefty was saying right there. Now, as far as Kingsbury the coach, let me ask you first, what don't you like about Cliff Kingsbury when it comes to being an offensive coordinator? I, do, I just think Cliff Kingsbury is incredibly overrated. Like, I feel like I've seen few people have less success and continue to win up and win up and win up the way that it feels like Cliff Kingsbury has done throughout his career. He coached the greatest quarterback, maybe, that any of us have ever seen in our lifetimes in Patrick Mahomes. And he was, what, 16 and 28 with Patrick Mahomes in a conference where they don't play defense. And yes, I understand that there's more to that story. He still had Patrick bleeping Mahomes at the helm and none of us frankly knew he was that good out of college then in the pros obviously we know what happened in Arizona and that Arizona team was a mess too I mean you can sit here and you can say okay well Kyler didn't have the work ethic but it wasn't like that was a disciplined team beyond Kyler there was a lot of mistakes it was a highly penalized team there were some serious problems there with the coaching which is why Arizona ends up getting rid of him he ends up at USC after some time in Thailand and he has Caleb Williams who everyone tells me is the next coming this Caleb Williams Caleb Williams had a better season the season before Cliff got there than he did 
in this past season when Cliff Kingsbury was there. So it just over and over and over again, and I don't know him. He's probably a a very nice man and obviously very impressive in interviews, but I just look at it from the outside looking in, and I'm like, how does this guy continue to get these high-profile jobs and be in such high demand? Everybody wants him when I haven't seen any of the success play out like I would have expected it to when you consider who he's coached. Okay, let's start with Mahomes. We did know about him. He was the first-team All-American in a top-10 pick. We didn't, Ian. You know about it. You know about guy. You knew about Brock Purdy, probably. That's different. I covered him we at Iowa State. We didn't yes. know about but Patrick we did. Mahomes, he, he, and we again, should have because he's he was generational. An, okay, let me finish. I'll, I gave you your time. Now you're anti Cliff. I am pro Cliff. At Texas Tech as a head coach, he was not good at all for five years. I mean, he he was below 500. Right. But that's because his defense stunk. Do you know how much? What his offense put up at Texas Tech? Do you have any idea points per game? I don't know. I'm at least have to look it up. Averaged over thirty points per game in every single season. They ranked in the top ten in passing yards and in the top eighteen in total offense every single season. His problem was as a head coach, as a colonel. When he was at Texas A and M, he led Johnny Manziel to a Heisman Trophy. I mean, the man is a phenomenal offensive mind. Now, you mentioned that Caleb Williams was better before Kingsbury got there. He's not calling plays at USC. He was a senior offensive analyst, so he was not calling plays. But when Kingsbury got there, Caleb Williams actually completed a higher percentage of passes this year with Kingsbury being there than he did the previous year. So I would say that Caleb Williams – actually had a damn good season. When you think about his numbers were actually better as far as completion percentage than they were the previous season. So Kingsbury, as a head coach, he also led Arizona to the playoffs. When did things fall off? Because in his first year, they were a three-win team, improved his second year, third year, they go to the playoffs, and then when did the wheels fall off for Arizona? When they paid Kyler Murray. And, and yeah, but and it, that's, you always want to boil it all, and you're very anti-Kyler. And I no, that. I'm not. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, ma'am, I'm not. But that no, team was I, a I mess not. beyond that, that, just This Kyler. is where Cliff, I was about to rip Cliff before you jumped me there. This is where he screwed up as a head coach. Kyler Murray was late to meetings, wasn't held accountable. As a head coach, as a general, you have to annihilate that young man. You, I mean, as a, as a quarterback who just got paid a boatload, and you're showing up late to lift? No, you can't allow that to happen, and you have to call him out, and he didn't. So as a head coach, Kingsbury, that was part of where he failed. As a colonel and a play caller, which is what he's going to be in Washington, he's excelled wherever he's been. So I, uh, Dan Quinn's the head coach. As a colonel, offense is yours. I got this side of the ball. Let's go play some. Let's go win some games. I mean, you're, you're parsing hairs here. I mean, if we, like Caleb Williams' stats, so completion percentage, yes, went up in every other category. Touchdowns, significantly more touchdowns the season before he got there. Significantly more yardage the season before he got and there. And Jordan Addison is a Minnesota Viking. I could we argue can look that, at their roster, right? I mean, I could, he didn't have Jordan Addison. He, lo- he is, lost guys. This is guys. what I mean with Cliff, though. Everything's excuses with Cliff. It's like, no, I could even not, argue it, that the 18th to ranked total offense, if you have Patrick freaking Mahomes in a conference where nobody plays defense isn't really that great when you have Patrick top 10 in the country top 10 in the country in passing yards in total 
offense, though. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, a top 20, anybody could fall into that when you have Patrick Mahomes at the helm. And again, nobody else is playing defense against you either, even though, yes, his defense was atrocious. Amber, I will tell you this also. When it comes to Caleb and SC, when it comes to Caleb and SC, remember, he was not calling plays. That's Lincoln Riley's offense, not Kingsbury. The relationship is what matters here with Caleb Williams. And the relationship is that they are tight. Caleb worships Kingsbury. Kingsbury loves Caleb Williams. Chicago, don't fight this thing, man, because this is Elway and the Colts and Manning and the Chargers. If I'm Chicago, I'm going to Washington. Going, we're starting with three threes, uh, three ones, and three twos. That's where the, that's where it begins to move up one spot. Because I promise you, Caleb wants to go home. Now, He's Caleb, from Washington. Caleb's people have said that he doesn't want to pull a John Elway, that he's not Smart looking to, to do it. the Eli Manning, uh, that he's not going to do that, that if they draft him, he's going to Chicago. He has said that and made that pretty clear. But is there an angle here that Washington's playing where they're hiring Kingsbury in order to get to Caleb Williams? It's certainly a possibility. Coming up next, more on Kingsbury and Caleb Williams. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 2022 Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, Southern There's only one guy that can throw the ball like him, Mahomes. How did Caleb Williams Unbelievable. He's awesome. He's really, really special. The Magic Man pulls out the Magic Wand. It is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl 58. It is so close. We can taste it, Ian Fitzsimmons. And, of course, all your Super Bowl fix-ins. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive. As we're getting you ready for Super Bowl week, we are unpacking all the news around the NFL. Cliff Kingsbury, he has now been hired as the OC for the Washington Commanders. Eric Bieniemy is out there in Washington. Of course, Dan Quinn is the new head coach there. Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, always kind enough to join us. And thanks for your time, coach. Let's start with that Cliff Kingsbury Higher, what did you make of Kingsbury being the OC now at Washington? And do you think they might be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes? And that's what this is really about. Well, if you're following the tea leaves, that's probably a correct statement. Um, I can remember Cliff Kingsbury when he came out of college. And the one year there with the Jets, um, he actually was on our roster as a quarterback. We had five of them that year, so you can imagine how the season ended. Not very good. <laughs> but that's when I first met Cliff, to be quite honest. And, um, you know, he's got a good offensive mind. I think he does good with the quarterbacks. I think if you're Dan Quinn, obviously you're looking to, to get a quarterback. Um, he'll do a nice job. You know, he, he really will. He gets it. He understands offense. Um, and I think if, if you're Dan Quinn, you need a guy that can run your offense, and he can do that. The biggest difference from going from being a general back to a colonel, uh, like Kingsbury is doing from head coach to just you're on charge of one side of the ball, not three, and you're mm-hmm. just an offensive coordinator. 
how, how much of a difference is that for a guy, as you mentioned, that has a really good offensive mind for Kingsbury, where all he, all he has to do is focus in on that side of the ball and that's it? No, you're exactly right. And, and that just kind of indenses your responsibilities. You can you can immerse yourself on that side of the ball. You don't have to worry about anything else. Um, you're always uh, them offensive guys. You know they always want more meeting time. They always need a couple more practice reps. That's the one thing I learned about them offensive guys. You know, defensive guys will say, you know, you're filling out your script. You got okay. You get 20 plays, and the offensive coach always sneaks in there at the end. Hey, coach, you know, I need about 24. They they never run out of plays. I said, just run the good ones, man. It don't matter. Just just can you can actually repeat them good plays. You don't have to have all these plays. But I, I think I, I really do. I think you know he's going to do a good job to running this offense. And I and and you guys made the comment about the quarterback. I, I think they're in <laughs> they're in they're in cahoots to try to get a quarterback. There ain't no doubt about that. Yeah, it seems like they've got to find one either way. Herm Edwards joining us here on Amber and Ian. So that means, coach, that Eric Bieniemy is no longer there in Washington. What do you make of where we're at now with Eric Bieniemy? Because obviously, five seasons spent as the OC in Kansas City, it was remarkable. He leaves maybe to get out of that shadow from Andy Reid to join Ron Rivera's staff, and and now he's seemingly out of a job for at least the time being. Do you feel like he made the wrong move or is he going to land on his feet and be just fine? No, I think he'll land on his feet. Maybe not this year. He might have to sit out a year, but um, I think he, you know, he had to make that move um, just to stay on, get out of the shadows of Andy and run his own deal. It's just, you know, it's just sad that it ended this way for him and for Ron. Ron's a good friend of mine. Um, he grew up in my hometown, so I've known Ron for a long time. Um, he's looking to be a defensive coordinator, obviously. Um, uh, but you're hoping Eric, you know, if he has to sit a year out, um, he'll get back in that cycle next year, along with maybe one of the greatest coaches that's coached the game of football and Bill Belichick. He's sitting out there, too. Ron Rivera, I, w- I recommend renting a house uh, if he's hired as the D.C. In, uh, in Dallas and not buying with Mike McCarthy only having one year left on that contract. But how would he fit with the Dallas Cowboys and, and what they have already on the defensive side of the ball if he were coordinating that, that defense? Well, I think, you know, Ron's smart enough to figure it out. He's been in that division. Um, he's coaching that division. Um, he knows defense. You know, he played on that great Chicago Bears defense back in the day. Um Look, I, you know, he, he has a talented group of players in the Cowboys. I mean, he really does. I mean, those guys are talented now. I mean, you know, he has the same problem any coach that goes with the Cowboys. You know, they're all talented until the playoffs start. And then all of a sudden they become the Cowboys again. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's, it's, hey, that's funny because it's true. That's, that's just facts, right? I mean, that is funny yeah, because I, it's I true. I tell you. It's, just, it's been 28 years of that. I mean, come on. Yeah. Let's, come on. Let's, let's call it like it is, right? Amen. It's hard not to, Coach. It's hard not to. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, things have gone yeah. a little bit better for them in a postseason. They find themselves in a Super Bowl here. However, they are very unhappy with the field conditions at the practice facility ahead of Super Bowl 58. Yeah. As a coach, what do you make of that? Well, yeah, that was kind of interesting because, you know, we played in that bowl game, in that Vegas bowl when I was uh, with Arizona State. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I get it in San Francisco that those fields are, you know, are very, they're, they're very nice and all that stuff. But I mean, if I'm the 49ers, I'm not worried about the practicality. If I'm concerned, I better get this run game fixed, especially on defense. Uh, the last two playoff games they played in Green Bay had 136 yards and the Lions ran for 180. And why they stopped running, I have no idea. They could have maybe ran for 250. Uh, they got to get that fixed because they can't fall behind. 
this Kansas City Chiefs group. And, and you know, and Andy's an old offensive line coach. I mean, he's going to run the ball with Pacheco. He, he knows. He, he's going to try to run it at him some. They got to get that fixed. So, I mean, don't worry about the conditions. I mean, if, it, if there's no holes in the grass and there's no golfers out there, you know, you need to go practice football. And don't worry about what the field looks like. I mean, I mean that, that ain't going to have nothing to do with you. Get, you better stop the run game of, of Kansas City. And then you got the unicorn to deal with, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, right? Better figure out how to stop Kelsey. His numbers in the playoffs are astronomical. We say it every week. This guy's caught 156 balls in playoff competition, 19 touchdowns, and 21 playoff games. That's insane. When you, I mean, when you, no, when, when you really think about it's it, ridiculous. That, is, that is absolute. That, that's video game numbers, man. I yeah, mean, it really is. And, you know, yeah, it is. And when you think about San Francisco, look, all of a sudden, defensively, you know, in the regular season, they were giving up about 18 points a game. In playoff competition now, they're giving up 26. Yeah. I mean, and, and here's, here's the thing, Coach. So, go back to being that old defensive guy. If you're in that meeting yeah. room right now in San Francisco, because you know they, they, they want to only bring four. They don't want to bring any more pressure than four. That, that's what they right. love to do. What are you doing? Forget bringing pressure, right? I mean, because, you, again, you have to stop the run what would you do differently from the last two games we've seen San Francisco's defense on the field, where, as you mentioned, they gave up 136 to Green Bay and 180 on the ground to Detroit? Well, you, you have to, you, you, you know, what, and what people were doing, they were running the ball on the perimeter. They were making their corner support and tackle. That became a problem. And so you got to get that thing straight, first of all, because if you're in third and shorts, you're going to have a long day. You've got to play good on first down. Because, look, Andy Reid's a smart coach. Both these coaches are excellent football coaches. And they both like running the football. But, I mean, if you're San Francisco right now, you've got to find a way to get them in some third and longs. Why? Because you got both in young, and this is what you paid them for. And the tackles, uh, you know, of, of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I'm not going to name who they are, but um, they got some problems at times. One of them has one of them has nineteen penalties, <laughs> and you know, I mean, those are the guys that you know. Are, when you get them in in the mode where you can pass rush them, you can make some hay because you can keep them in some third and longs, especially if there's a, if there's a lot of false starts. I'll call them out. You're too nice, Jawan Taylor's been a turnstile. There you go. I said it. <laughs> Well, I ain't, I'm gonna leave it. It's Super Bowl week. I'm gonna leave these guys alone. You know, they're not in the Super Bowl. They're the two best teams. They're not. They're not listening, Coach. They've got better things to do this week. I hope, anyways. <laughs> this is the one time I hope that they aren't listening to Amber and Ian. Herb Edwards joining us here on Amber and Ian. Coach Roger Goodell spoke today. He gave his State of the oh, League address. We're gonna talk about it a little bit later in the show tonight. One of the things he was asked about, of course, was officiating that he addressed, and he said that the officials do a great job, but. He went on to say that we also need to get better and that we need to use technology wherever we can to try to improve their performance. That's a direct quote about officiating in the NFL. What are your thoughts on Roger Goodell's response to officiating criticism? That is the correct statement. I mean, he's got to say that, you know, officials have the hardest job in in, in sports. I mean, they never have a home game. Um, So regardless of some calls. But the way the game is played now is so fast. And the way the ball's in the air, uh, these bang-bang plays you see, you know, at, at times you, you, you get out of position, and I get it. Look, I played corner. I, I understand. They, they got a hard job keeping up with those guys on the perimeter. Um, and I think instant replay should be, be part of it anymore. It, you know, it, it's certain things they say, well, we can't look. No, you got to look, look at all of it. And, look, 
I'll tell you this. This is ironic because this game is in Las Vegas. And this is where this league is, is really gone. When I came in the league in 1977, I know I'm old. In 1977, we, we had helmets and with face masks. <laughs> we, we had um, helmets with face masks. Uh, <laughs> and you couldn't go to Las Vegas. They didn't want players in Las Vegas. They were worried about people betting and everything else. Now, let's flip it forward. Now the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas. You can bet on anything. <laughs> we show it on television. We talk about it. So this is where we're at in this league, right? Because it's the number one sport. There's no doubt about it. I watched yesterday, and that was some of it. They had a football game, a Pro Bowl game in Orlando. There were 60,000 people in the stand watching flag football. Flag football. Not tackle. Flag. And so this league is in a place right now that the one thing you got to get right when games are over with, you cannot have ESPN, all these other stations talking about the officiating. That's not good. That is not good. And we've, we've, we've entered some Mondays after Sunday games saying, man, what about that call? That can't be part of it. So they got to get that fixed. We ask you this Super Bowl week every single year, and you hate yep. it, but it's awesome. Why were your daughters not allowed to have confetti at their birthday parties when they were four and five years old? You're going you're gonna to make me go back to that dark day of Super Bowl 15, aren't you? Uh, every year. Yeah, because the people don't realize when you mess around and lose that game, which I, was, I participated in it, and when I was walking across the field trying to be uh, cordial with the opponents, the Raiders that beat us, that confetti was hitting me in my face, and I said, you know what? From this day forward, I will never like confetti. <laughs> so my daughters, for all those years, they were having those birthday parties. They could have whistles. They could have hats. And they always wanted the confetti. They said, Daddy, why we can get that stuff if you don't talk about it? It's not allowed in our home. <laughs> don't talk about it. <laughs> not it's probably don't good anyways. Go it's, now, they're, 18 and 19, they're, they're 18 and 17 now, and they're figuring it out. Daddy, <laughs> now we know why you don't like confetti. I said, that's a fact. Don't even talk about it. Uh, reasonable, reasonable, oh, Coach. For Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst. Thanks, Coach. Thank you much. Bye-bye. See you, bud. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, LeBron James is a master at trolling, and he is up to it again. That is next here on ESPN Radio. One thing that we know about LeBron James, and that is everything he does is intentional, and he absolutely knows what he's doing. Amber and Ian here with you, Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons. We're always brought to you by Progressive Insurance. So LeBron James, he's back at it. Now, we got word a few days ago from his agent, Rich Paul, Ian, that they're not going to be asking the Lakers for a trade and that the Lakers are not going to be trading LeBron James. We're approaching the trade deadline in just a few days in the NBA. That did not, however, stop LeBron from, of course, the cryptic tweet that preceded that statement from Rich Paul, where he tweeted out an hourglass emoji and gave us no explanation and no follow-up what the hourglass emoji meant. Well, now also he decided when he was playing the New York Knicks to show up to the game wearing Knicks colors. He apparently played a playlist before the game 
that reporters noticed was all songs from New York. And after the game, when the Lakers won in his post-game presser with an ESPN mic in his face, he had a Lakers towel wrapped around his neck. Sorry, a Knicks towel wrapped around his neck very prominently that, you know, somebody just gave to him in the home arena. No big deal. I'm all for every bit of this. I mean, every single bit of it. Now, the towel is easy to explain, right? I mean, if you're LeBron and somebody says, why were you wearing a Knicks towel? I mean, what do you have against Laker fans or your teammates or the Lakers organization? That's an easy answer. I asked for a towel. They handed me a towel. It happened to have a Knicks logo on it. What am I supposed to do? Oh, I mean. Ask for another one? Right, I mean, so we all I, know. Yeah, that's it's easy. Fine. But he is the master, and I do mean the master at – Sending out the cryptic tweet or, you know, uh, making a, a subtle comment or the playlist, as you mentioned, it had everything from Jay-Z to Sinatra, right? So, <laughs> I mean, you name it, it was there. And, and I'm, I'm, I am all about every bit of this because when people annihilate this dude so many times for so, such itty-bitty little nitpicky things, and I'm not talking about leaving Cleveland or going back to Cleveland or leaving Cleveland again. To, you know, just the comparisons between who's the greatest of all time and having to, to deal with all of that. And I know he's a, he's a billionaire and everything else, but he's had to deal with a lot of it. So you know what? Every now and then, he gives it back. And by what's, how does he do it? This. By, by just, he, may, he might have sat there with that hourglass emoji going, this is going to be fun. Let, let's see him overreact to this bad boy, right? Hit send and just kick back, prop his feet up, and just watch. Go, go be you, LeBron. I mean, because think about what he's doing right now. He's damn near 40, and he's still one of the best players in the world. Let that sink in. You know what Michael Jordan was at 40? He's out of the league. And this dude is still one of the best players in the game. And yeah. I'm not going to get into an MJ LeBron debate here. That's not what I'm, that's not why I brought it up. I'm just talking about how durable he's been and how well he's taken care of his body and how much he still cares about the game. So all the hourglass, the songs, the Knicks towel, the Knicks colors. You can also, by the way, excuse that as, like Dirk Nowitzki used to say this when I was covering the Dallas Mavericks. His favorite arena to play in on the road was Holy Ground. Madison Square Garden. And so a lot of players view it that way. The great ones view it that way. And LeBron can explain all of that off like, hey, just pay in tribute to the greatest arena on, on the planet, Madison Square Garden. And LeBron said that before. He has said oh, yeah. before that he loves playing there. He said recently that he strongly considered going to the Knicks before he made the decision that he made to go to Miami. Now, Brian Windhorse on the Hoops Collective podcast said that that was all a bit overstated now, that maybe LeBron is romanticizing that time because apparently the word was that LeBron wasn't actually going to New York. Remember, he made that whole announcement in Connecticut, and so some people thought it was like at a boys and girls club in Connecticut. And so some people thought, oh, this is it. He's coming to the Mecca because he's he's right here in close proximity. And apparently, according to Brian Windhorse, the one leak that the reporters got before the announcement was it's not going to be New York because they knew what it looked like. And right. so they didn't want that kind of narrative out there. So 
Win horse, anyways, is assertion is that LeBron didn't really consider ever going to the Knicks that strongly, but now he's kind of romanticizing it on the back end. And now, all these years later, 13 years later, it still feels like he's trolling the New York Knicks fan, where he knows at almost 40 years old that this is the kind of power that he still has. That if he tweets out an hourglass emoji, that the Lakers are worried because they're on the clock, right? That if he doesn't sign an extension with them, that the Lakers are worried because he could opt out this offseason. That if he's flirting with the Knicks by wearing their colors or if he's showing up and playing only songs from New York or he's wearing the Knicks towel around his neck in his post-game interview, that that is going to send a certain message. And it's remarkable that anybody cares when he's 39 years old. Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Most players by that age, they might still be the oldest player in the league. But you can understand. Well, that's what's remarkable. It's not just that he's the oldest player in the league. He's still such a huge presence, such a viable option, such an important piece in the league that this stuff actually has power. That we're here this many years later and that he can still flex those muscles and get everyone talking about it. Look, Wendy's been covering LeBron since they were in high school together. Uh, so, I mean, Wendy knows him about as well as anybody. And he, he and Tim Bontemps, the Hoop Collective hosts of the, of, the, of the Hoop Collective podcast, Wendy was asked about the Knicks towel. Here's what he said. Obviously, LeBron often wears towels, okay? And this is why it's so brilliant, because he has perfect deniability. He can just be like, oh, I was yeah, like just... like said, everybody gets the towel. What's the big I, deal? I, I just put a towel around my, around my shoulders. What are you talking <laughs> about? You guys are out of your mind. But LeBron... This is what he excels at. He computes all this stuff. Of course, he was cognizant and aware that he was putting on a towel that said New York Knicks. And why would he mess with the Knicks? Because he is using, he was using the Knicks as a tool to pressure the Lakers. And it is. And by the way, so was playing the 41 minutes and playing great and winning the game. It was all part of the same thing. Get uh, me but- help. Amen. And you know he's what, still, Amber? He's, he's the best at it. Still if, at it. And they want all NBA-level talent and it, oh, before the trade deadline. How yeah. do you do it? You wear a Knicks towel and send a message. I will say help. this, though. It would be pretty remarkable if he won championships in Cleveland, in Miami, in Los Angeles, and in New York. <laughs> that would catapult him into a different sphere and a whole different conversation. Coming up next, what quarterbacks improve their stock the most at the Senior Bowl here on ESPN Radio?